0: Hello, I'm Terry Schultz and I am Channeling Brussels, getting newsmakers, movers and shakers to lose the lingo, burst out of the Brussels bubble and have real conversations about the critical foreign and security policies shaping our world. It's the rest of the story beyond the few seconds of sound bites that make it into the news. This week's Channeling Brussels is brought to you by the Atlantic Council. And this week, my guest is someone I first interviewed 15 years ago about the same subject. Former U.S. Undersecretary for Arms Control, Rose Gottemuller, is now NATO's Deputy Secretary General, the DSG. And we're speaking again about nuclear weapons. As one of the preeminent experts in the United States when it comes to dealing with nukes and Moscow, Gottemuller is a huge asset for the alliance as concerns rise about Russia's commitment to arms control. The U.S., backed by NATO, accuses the Kremlin of a long-standing breach of the Intermediate-Range Forces Agreement, the INF Treaty. Gottemuller was the Obama administration's envoy to confront Moscow about this in 2014. They denied it. Now the New START Treaty has come into full implementation, a treaty she negotiated. Gottemuller has many more things on her plate now. But she also still has deep interest and deep faith in arms control. She was an advisor to the Trump administration on its new nuclear posture review. And I need to emphasize this interview was done before the administration released the review. So we speak about it only in hypothetical here. The day before our conversation, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, an organization on whose board Miller once served, had just moved its so-called doomsday clock up 30 seconds closer to midnight, indicating we're just a symbolic two minutes away from global disaster, primarily because of increased nuclear tensions. And that's where my conversation starts with NATO Deputy Secretary General Rose Miller as somebody who has spent their entire life working for arms control, um, how does it feel to know that the perception um, for many people is that nuclear conflict, what you've spent your entire professional career working against, is closer than ever, that we truly are facing the possibility of a new arms race?
1: Well, let me just say a word about the clock, if I may, to begin (laughs) with, because I used to be on the bulletin's board, and so I was involved in clock decisions, and it's a little bit like when you're selecting a pope, you know, there's a long discussion and finally the white smoke goes up. So first of all, I want to say that from, uh, I have a great regard for the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists and the whole clock process, I think is a very, very good way Uh, to comment on the overarching security situation in the world. And you're right, it does relate uh, to the nuclear situation, weapons of mass destruction situation, but the, the bulletin in recent years has also addressed environmental degradation and climate change and the issues that are associated with climate disaster. So I haven't yet read their announcement very, very closely, whether both of those aspects played in the decision this year or whether it was wholly focused on the nuclear and weapons of mass destruction aspect. But I remember during the Obama administration, I was very cross because, of course, I was responsible for, for arms control matters in the government, and they still moved the clock back toward midnight. I was like, man, what do I have to do? I have this
0: vision of you hanging on the minute hand <laughs> exactly. and not letting them move it.
1: Exactly, but they did. And, no, I, I take it very, very seriously. They were urging at that point President Obama to go farther, to do more, and also on the climate change issues, and that was prior to the Paris Climate Accord being uh, being, being agreed. So it did have I think a uh, an influential effect pushing the issue, bringing it to the fore and making sure that, that leaders uh, not only in the United States but around the world were focused also on climate as the potential to provide uh, climate change to provide for you know horrendous changes in the human conditions. So that was that was an important uh, important point. But uh, they
0: did focus it on nu- on the threat of nuclear war, nuclear f- conflict. F- yes, focus on was. nuclear
1: this year. All right. Well, that's uh, I think that's uh, an important point. Once again, uh, that we have at the present time a situation where. Um, where the major nuclear powers are proceeding with nuclear modernization and uh, the United States is modernizing uh, the nuclear triad. I frankly support that as long as nuclear weapons are in the world the United States needs to maintain a safe secure and effective arsenal and uh, the age of the current U.S. arsenal is such that uh, it's hard to maintain its uh, its safety, frankly, going forward. So in my view, modernization is necessary, but it must be coupled with continuing work on disarmament. So it's, uh, it's fine if we modernize the arsenal, but it doesn't mean that there's going to be a big buildup in fact, the numbers are coming down, and they need to continue to come down. So you can modernize, but you modernize in a judicious and a, and a measured way. And I think that's a very important point that people lose. They say, oh, modernization. It means a big burst, again, of building missiles, building submarines, bombers, and nuclear warheads. No, it means judicious, keeping the numbers coming down.
0: You remain an advisor to the U.S. government even in your position here, don't you? Is that true?
1: I was I was an advisor on the nuclear posture review. Exactly. Uh, but uh, I would say that that was quite a temporary appointment and the nuclear posture review now being completed, uh, that, that position is ending.
0: Well, most of us have read um, a leaked document and I don't expect you to comment on, on leaked documents, but on the possibility that the U.S. is now reversing uh, the strategy of a nuclear-free world, of, of really um, trying to get rid of nuclear weapons and spending $1.2 trillion on what would not only be considered modernization. Um, it, it seems to be a worrying sign for plenty of people, the arms control community back in the U.S. certainly, and European allies as well. Um, is that something you think is, is warranted at this time?
1: I think it'll be very very important once the NPR comes out for uh for everyone to do a close reading of it. That is what is uh what is in there that is uh uh Uh, providing for continuity in U.S. policy. I don't expect there to be any change, for example, in U.S. support for the Nonproliferation Treaty, which is the bedrock. It's truly the bedrock of of U.S. arms control and nonproliferation policy, as well as for countries around the world. And it means that the United States remains focused on uh, cooperation on nonproliferation, cooperation on disarmament, and cooperation on uh, peaceful uses of nuclear energy. And that, you know, th- those three pillars of the NPT are uh, extraordinarily important and really provide the backdrop. So I frankly don't expect any change there, and that's what people need to, to be focusing on.
0: But uh, there there could be a change, and it's expected that there will be, on the possibility that nuclear weapons could be used against attacks Uh, cyber attacks on infrastructure for example. Um, That would, that would mark a change in policy.
1: Well again you can't, you can't haul me into commenting on the NPR but I would just uh, emphasize people need to do a close reading of it uh, when when it comes out and frankly in terms of declaratory policy it's worth a close reading because I think there are some, some beneficial aspects that will uh, will really be important to help uh, everyone understand uh, what our policy is uh, from the United States perspective and indeed will enhance the deterrence effect which is what nuclear policy is all about. Nuclear weapons are not to be used, they are to provide for deterrence.
0: So aside from the NPR whether it's in there or not, you don't support a first use uh, capability against something like a major cyber attack?
1: You know, nuclear weapons, in my view, should never be the weapon of, of of first resort. You have to consider very, very carefully. For one thing, we have had a taboo on uh, the use of nuclear weapons since Hiroshima and Nagasaki, now 72 years ago. So... I think it's a serious matter and one that people uh, should, not be, uh, should not, not be treating lightly. So, and I don't expect this NPR to treat that matter lightly.
0: I need to bring you into um, the discussion on the INF because here at NATO that has become a, a big issue. NATO is being asked to back the U.S. To, to put more pressure on Russia to bring it back into compliance with the INF. Is it possible you will have new verification meetings? Um, how on earth is this going to work out or is the treaty dead?
1: I don't think the treaty's dead by any means, and in fact it still provides for stability uh, in an important way. The uh, the really dangerous thing about intermediate-range uh, ballistic missiles is that they are relatively fast flyers. It may not seem like much time, but an ICBM takes... 25, 35 minutes to fly between continents. Intercontinental uh, range ballistic missile takes, takes approximately half an hour. Intermediate range systems flying between, um, for example, Moscow and Western Europe only take about 15 minutes approximately to reach their target, half of the decision time. And so that is what is so uh, dangerous about intermediate range systems and why they were banned in the INF Treaty in the late 1980s. It was to prevent the danger of what is called a decapitating first strike coming from these intermediate range missiles that somehow Moscow, and that was the reason the Russians joined the treaty in the first place, that Moscow, because there would be intermediate range systems deployed here in Europe, and that was happening in the 1980s, would uh, destroy the command and control systems in Moscow. So, So at the time they said, yes, we have a strategic overarching reason to ban these systems. And And so that reason has not gone away. It's in the physics of the missiles and the way they are able to reach their targets so quickly. But you believe
0: that they have violated, that they've gone ahead and... Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And so we called them on it, you're right, we called them on it uh, in uh, 2014. In the in the Obama administration, and uh, we're working with them to try to get them back into compliance. I was very glad to see that the Trump administration picked that up, and have even upped the ante. They've uh, talked about some of the response measures they are working on and would be willing to take if Russia does not return to compliance with the treaty. So that's a very important diplomatic step they've taken, and uh, as far as I understand, they're going to continue to work the matter at at the negotiating table.
0: Do you think that um, an appropriate response would be that if Russia agrees to a new verification regime of some kind, that then NATO would also open up for testing um, the system in Romania? That's something that Russia has complained about a long time. Would that be an equitable uh, offer?
1: Well, I think uh, it's probably going to require some kind of uh, monitoring uh, because what the United States will ask for, of course, is for Russia to return to compliance with the treaty, and so that would require a monitoring of elimination of the systems yeah. that are violating the treaty. What the uh, the counterpoint for that is, uh, I can't say, uh, but uh, I think there could be a, a number of different confidence-building measures and transparency measures that might be uh, considered, and we'd have to talk with NATO allies as to whether they'd be involved or not.
0: And my last question, because I'm running out of time, you were the U.S. negotiator on the- the New START Treaty, how does it feel that there are so many headlines and so many beliefs actually, concerns that we are on the brink of a new arms race? What we just discussed, if Russia does not come back into compliance, the U.S. has already said it's drafting mm-hmm. a new similar weapon system. I mean it, it's a scary moment. The doomsday clock
1: says it all, doesn't it? Well it is, but I do think it's important that New START is in force and that means uh, once that implementation phase is completed, the uh, Russian Federation and the United States will both be under the central limits of the treaty. So that means 1,550 warheads deployed and 700 delivery vehicles, uh, that means missiles or submarines, bombers deployed. And there can be no build up above those numbers. There can be no arms race as long as the treaty remains in force.
0: Right, but the, if the treaty is violated, and you know the Russians as well as anybody, Are they going to come back into compliance? Is this a matter on which they'll back down?
1: Well let me stress that New START both sides are in compliance with New Start. There's no violation of New Start and so the strategic arsenals cannot rise above 700 delivery vehicles as long as the treaty remains in force. INF is another matter and absolutely we have to work to bring the Russians back into compliance and uh, there will be consequences if they don't return to compliance with the treaty. We've already heard that from the Trump administration.
0: The problem is there's consequences for the whole world.
1: There are, and so that's why I think it's important for all of our allies and other countries around the world to underscore for the Russian Federation the importance of the INF Treaty. All right, I'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.
0: And that is going to wrap up my conversation with NATO's Deputy Secretary General Rose Gottemuller, whom I was so pleased to have on the program after my first interview with her 15 years ago in Washington, D.C. And that's going to wrap up this Channeling Brussels, Thanks to the Atlantic Council for sponsoring Channeling Brussels. Thanks, of course, to you for listening. I'm Terry Schultz. Join me next time.